right, everybody. Welcome to the High Action Podcast, episode 15. Today we're talking about guitar with vocals. And uh, I got a couple things I want to talk about before that. First of all, I want to say hi to my comrades, John Story and Perry Smith. And uh, next, I want to talk to you about Heritage Guitars. Since 1985, Heritage Guitars has been crafting the finest American-made guitars from the famed 225 Parsons Street Factory in Kalamazoo, Michigan. Heritage Guitars' vibrant and impressive collection of guitars combine classic and modern designs with premium materials and over a century of guitar building experience. I myself own their H575 Archtop, and I love it. It's brand new, and it plays really, really nice. So be sure to check out Heritage Guitar. Dot com. How's my speaking voice, guys? Do I have a good speaking voice or a weird speaking voice? Uh, well, I wouldn't go as far as to say you have a good speaking voice. But <laughs> Is it you know, bad or is it just right, right in the middle? It's passable. Who has the best speaking voice in, in this podcast out of the three of us? Probably John. <laughs> yeah, probably John. Sounds like an Instagram poll right there. By the way, follow us on Instagram. <laughs> yes, follow us on Instagram. C- catch up with us on Patreon. Um, guys, I want to talk about working with vocalists, which we've all done a lot of in our careers so far. I think guitar and vocals is one of those classic combinations, um, especially in the jazz idiom. And I thought we should just come out of the gate with a fun game. Everyone likes games on high action. So we're going to play a game called, uh, actually, I didn't think of a name for this game, called Who's on Vox? That's what we're going to play. So let's pretend that I'm setting up at Shutter's Hotel in Santa Monica. I've got my guitar, and I've got a vocalist I've never worked with coming in by the name of John Story. Hey. And John enters. I go, hey, John, nice to meet you. We got a four-hour gig ahead of us. We should probably start playing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I go, what do you want to sing? Ooh, uh, let's see. How about we sing some jazz standards tonight, since that's what the booking is all about. And, uh, you know, um, I'm, I'm getting a few tunes down right now, but there's a great one that I like um, by uh, Jimmy McGue called On the Sunny Side of the Street. Do you know that mm. one? Absolutely. What key do you sing it in? Uh, you know, for me, a male vocalist, I kind of like B-flat. B-flat. Okay. And uh, what tempo do you want? Yeah, um, why don't you set it up just kind of uh, however you're feeling? However I'm feeling, nice. Okay, so here I am about, and I'm. this is kind of me on the spot. I'm going to set up on the sunny side of the street and be flat. I wish we could actually go on, but the latency is going to be too gnarly. But That's right, yeah. That was me setting up a tune in an impromptu manner. Hopefully I did a good job of establishing the key, the tempo, maybe hint at the melody, perhaps really hammer in the, the their first melody note on my last chord, you know, little things that really set them up for a home run. Perry, cool. what are your thoughts on this? You got any, uh, you got any experiences where something went wrong in a situation like this? Yes, plenty of experiences where something went wrong, but that's okay too because those are good learning experiences, right? Mm-hmm. I think if you play enough in just about any scenario, you're going to encounter 
you know, mistakes or moments where you can learn from. But yeah, in general, I feel like it's a good rule of thumb to have the responsibility as an accompanist if somehow the vocalist has missed their cue, that that's kind of on you. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it doesn't. Mm-hmm. It's not always the case. Sometimes you're setting it up perfect and they just miss it. But in general, I feel like that's a good way to be an accompanist is to sort of hold that responsibility, like you're saying, Will, and trying to establish, okay, what do I need to do? Do I need to quote the melody here at the end? Do I need to set the tempo up a little bit easier for them? Um, mm-hmm. Or another aspect is, are you actually going to play a part of the form? Like you played 1A, essentially, right, to set them up. Sometimes yes, I, and I reharmed it a little bit. Right. Sometimes I like maybe just doing four bars or, or making like the, the ending really obvious to the intro, something like um, something like this where you're like... Absolutely. A a really classic move that they're going to know, okay, here's my cue. And then, like you said, you're setting them up for a home run. But it is a very gratifying way of playing guitar to, you know, fill out the instrument and accompany a vocalist. Uh, I'm also a big fan of jazz vocals. I always have been. It's sort of what helped me get into jazz, being into people like Frank Sinatra and Tony Bennett and Ella Fitzgerald that, like, got me into the genre in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm all about it. And a lot of times it becomes a solo guitar gig, too. You want to talk about that? Yeah. yeah. Well, before we do, I, I want to do this circle of um, impromptu intros. So okay, I'm going to do turn. John next. Okay. Yeah. So, so John's sitting there at shutters. He just plugged in his polytone, <clears throat> straightening his tie. I walk in two minutes before downbeat, grab my microphone. Hey, John, how's it going? And I help you bring the PA system. Yeah, yeah. In, Did you set the PA you the up? Okay. Stand up and I cool. Bring a you talk to the staff. Down. I'm just kidding. See, I knew we would do this today, you guys, because it's so. I mean, on high action, and we got to have a little bit of humor. I mean, the name of our podcast is high action for that matter. But like, you know, uh, we've all had a lot of experience. The range, I yeah. call it the range of the strange. You know, what we get on a gig sometimes. But um, real quick, yeah, as a part of this game, Will, how about we do this? Um, let me kind of drill with you guys, with you. How mm-hmm. how I would do that, like how I would ask um, as as a vocalist mm-hmm. what what I would need is that is that cool? Sure. All right. So um, if I'm the guitar player in this situation and you're mm-hmm. the vocalist, okay. So we show up to the gig, and I haven't met you, and so I'm like, hey, you know, my name name's John. N- nice to meet you. Um, do do you have a set list that you like to play through often? Mm-hmm. And then what might be a response for that? My favorite response is when a singer goes, uh, yeah, I have a I real book playlist. Mm-hmm. Right. And so these days, that's super common. And, mm-hmm. you know, the guys like us, you know, we pretty much know all of those tunes. I mean, I don't use an I real book on a gig, but it's great to just have the I real book because at least I know the names of the tunes. So they could just call a tune like Skylark or Stardust and, oh, they do Skylark in the key of A or the key of G, mm-hmm. you know, and I, it's so great when vocalists really know their keys. Um, yep. And oftentimes a lot of the singers that I work with have told me that over the years they find other guitar players or pianists who they really can trust and sit down with and help them out find their ideal keys on a lot of these tunes. Mm-hmm. Um, and that changes over time. Um, my fiance is a vocalist. We were just talking about this the other day. She was going through her tune list and she said, gosh, you know, my, the keys are changing for me. 
it'd be fun to sit down and go through some of those with you. And we were, we were playing through them and it's interesting, like vocal keys change over time, you know? Yeah. So that's awesome. So yeah. So you got to, okay, great. Back to our game. You've got a real book playlist. Fantastic. You know, what have been some of your favorite tunes to sing recently? Well, I would like to sing, I fall in love too easily. Great. And I like to play that in, I like to sing that in a minor. Okay. Now for guitar players listening to the podcast. So when, when, when we get this feedback, what's really important is for us to kind of start gauging a little bit. Is this vocalist going to feel confident coming in with that melody? You know, I fall in love too easily is a little bit of a tricky start to it because that mm -hmm. melody has got this little chromatic shift and it's a high part of the, the melody. Mm -hmm. So when you know these aspects to melodies, it can help us as guitar players because as Perry, you said, man, and I, I love that you said that it's our responsibility to really support and to serve and to set up, right? Exactly. And so the follow-up question to I like to play I Fall in Love Too Easily in A minor would be, do you mean the first chord A minor? Well, me, no, I didn't. Um, I kind of forgot about that classic pitfall. The first chord mm -hmm. would be, in the key of A minor, the first chord would be D minor. So it's in the right. key of C. I'm thinking of it as in a minor key, A minor or C major. Um, yeah, that's... that. That can definitely happen if the first chord is D minor and they go, it's in D minor. Right. Sometimes you as the accompanist goes, now, let me see your chart. But mm -hmm. these are, right? this is I just all more to the point of how this is such great experience for guitar players, yes. you know, mm -hmm. especially on a fundamental level, like when you're starting out. I mean, John and I had a weekly gig. This is a little bit of a tangent, Will, but we'll, we'll get to the game. It's okay. I'm used to it. Yeah, I'll, I'll pause on my part of the game because there's the next part I was going to ask too, but for sure, Perry, go for it. We had, I think you know what I'm going to say. We had this uh, weekly gig. Well, we were on different days, but um, it was a place called Nick and Steph's. And I remember the day that I was doing was with the vocalist Kathleen Grace. And at this time, I might have been like a junior or sophomore or something in college. And man, just having the chance to play duo with a really really talented singer um for two three hours you know mm -hmm. a week like definitely pushed me i mean i got my got certain like drop three voicings together that i did not have together and just figuring out how to move bass line and harmony with with uh keeping the, the rhythm and the melody together so yeah yeah, yeah really and important. Um, and yeah, and like what we're talking about, this drill for all the listeners. Again, this is these are the skills, like you said, Perry. We learn this on the bandstand. Yeah. And you know, these days with all of us kind of gigging a little less than average, it's it's sometimes harder to build these skills. It's you know, I guess it's fun with this podcast. It gives us a chance to kind of dive into this, you know, and really mm -hmm. document some of what we've done. Um, you know, back to this quiz that we're doing or this kind of mock. Um, gigging, like we're saying, Will. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we've talked about the tune. I've asked, we've asked about set lists. We've talked about keys. At this point, as the guitar player, I'm kind of gauging if this vocalist is going to feel really confident with their melodies or if they're just learning the melodies, um, which is fine. I mean, I, I don't mind going on a gig with a vocalist that's in their kind of on their journey. I mean, this is really common when you're a working yeah. musician. I mean, part of being a working musician is serving others. We have to help other people with their music, especially guitar players, choral yeah. instruments. The last thing I would ask, even before we play the tune, um, I would say something like, you know, so our sets tonight looks like we're playing for four hours here at Casa del Mar. And um, how do you feel about, you know, let's, let's play for an hour 
And how about I, I can even throw in a couple little solo guitar things in there because one thing we forget as guitar players is vocalists have a whole different kind of endurance than we do. And you don't want them to like over sing. And there's a lot of this that we can, we can help our singer, our singer gigging musician friends with these kinds of choices because if they sing a lot in the first hour or two, they're going to get tired and it gets harder for them. And we, you know, you want this experience to be really easy and effortless because one gig at Casa del Mar with a vocalist might lead to a decade of gigs with them on a bunch of other places. At least that's, that's what I found. So that's my drill. Mm -hmm. I usually go through. Uh, thanks Will for letting me give that one a shot. That was a great, great idea there. Do you mind setting the tune up for me before we get fired from this gig? Sure, for <laughs> I Fall in Love Too Easily. Yeah, there you go. Is that in, one? In, in okay. A minor. First chord, D minor. So the first chord would be, um, if, this, if the tongue... Uh, first chord, did you say first chord, A minor? D, D minor. So it's First yeah. chord is first D minor. Chord, D minor. Right, yeah. right, right. So... Um, So now nice. I'm the manager Great. coming in telling you guys you need to turn down. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know oh, any man. Bruno Mars? Yeah. Cool. Yeah, and, and, and just last point about the setup, right? Again, we can gauge this. I mean, with vocalists I've gigged with for a decade plus now, I can literally start however I want. I can start off by, like, soloing. I can yeah. start... But a vocalist that I've never played with before... And I'm not trying to make it sound like we're dumbing this down, right? I just want to make it like as effortless as possible because from there we can really build. Absolutely. And I've done that on gigs where you start off really easy and then you realize that you can throw a lot of curveballs at your at the duo partner. And it's fun to kind of, like you said, Perry, kind of almost play solo guitar um, and dive in into that. But yeah, picking a tempo that's really comfortable and sometimes when you ask a, vo a vocalist or a duo partner what tempo they want to play, they might be a little nervous and they might call too fast a tempo or they might not really feel two and four yet if they're really beginning. So a lot of times I just try to start off a ballad at a pretty decent slow tempo. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, go ahead, Will. What else we got? You ready for your turn, Perry? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So right, Who's the vocalist? Um, <laughs> so... You you have this riverboat gig that you do sometimes, right? Is do you ever do duos on that or? Um, no, it's never a duo. No. It's either solo or playing the quartet. Okay, well, I was going to use that as an example. Let's just use some random hotel <laughs> on the Lower East Side. That's a, right? that's a good example of playing with vocalists, but it's the same two vocalists, so it's like and everything's charted in. out and everything is is uh, locked in. But if it's sort of like you're meeting for the first time or just setting up a tune on like a gig with somebody. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we can definitely do right. it. So I walk in. Yeah. Hey, Perry, nice to meet you. I'm Willie Braham. Maybe you've heard my work. <laughs> <clears throat> you, you look a little different than you did in your Instagram photo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, that's, a, that's an example of what not to say. To what not to say. Uh, so we're starting the gig. I go... Let's start with um, Waltz for Debbie. I don't know if I know that one. Uh, didn't you just play that song recently, Waltz for Debbie? Yeah, I know that one. Yeah, I was like, hey, come on. I'm playing to the, playing to the house here. 
Okay, do you uh, want to play it in the key of F? Let's do it in the key of G. The key of G, okay, cool. Uh, I'll start it out for you? Mm-hmm. All right, cool. It's in three, that's usually how I play it. Sound good? Absolutely, yes, as a waltz, a rousing waltz. Perfect. Now, actually, me, since I'm not a singer, I wasn't going to really hit that note, so I didn't even try hitting it. You're welcome. High action metaverse. That was perfect. That was a really great intro, Perry. Yeah. And gee, that's nice. Yeah, that, that really, that one, if a vocalist called that one for me in G, I would have to read it because it just goes through too many different places with the harmonies. So sometimes great you got to know... Yeah, it's not worth doing this off the top of my head because I'm gonna totally fuck it up. So, let's pull well, that's a in front that's of a great point, man. Sometimes, like you know, we've all played "Girl from Ipanema" and F a lot, yeah. and then someone comes and calls it an E flat, you know. And but "Girl from Ipanema," you should be able to do. Well, that one's much more easy to transpose than something like "Waltz for Debbie." But this brings me to a topic that I wonder if you guys view this as important as I do. I'm sure you do. Is Really viewing tunes in the form of Roman numerals mm-hmm. and really being able to see all the chord shapes um, inside a key, you know, thinking of, of intervals or Roman numerals, right? Okay, let's see. It starts, you know, if I take a tune like Stella, which, you know, a lot of the time is in B flat. So what if it's an E? What if someone plays Stella and E and you're like inverted, you know? If I have that E as a starting point, starts on the flat five, two chord, five of three, mm-hmm. and then a two, I'm sorry, I'm in E, not E flat, two of one, five of one, two of four, five yeah. of four, four, minor four, yeah. one, two, five of three, and then we play a minor four flat seven of the five, yeah. maybe do a little pedal, two. That would be the six of five, and then I'm going to the six dominant seven, to a two, to a minor four, to a one. Do you guys ever view tunes in that way, especially like in this setting where it's like you're on the fly and you just have to company it? Yeah, of course. Um, I recently was on a gig with somebody called Body and Soul, and uh, uh, what key were we doing? An A flat. No, B flat. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, okay. And it wasn't that hard of a transposition, but sometimes on the first chorus, you get into like the end of the bridge or something, and you're just like, you know. Tri- you lose sense of gravity. Yeah, but that's okay. You know, no, music is not ever meant to be perfect. You know what I mean? Like, you can kind of work your way through some stuff if you get off. But yeah, mm-hmm. uh, this is another huge moment of opportunity when you're playing with vocalists um, is to work on your transpositions. Uh, yes. It'll, it'll help you in every aspect of your playing. So, I, I thought we could also talk about, uh, you know, we talked about setting up the tune, setting it up with an intro, talk about how to end a tune, Great. right? Yeah. What do you so think? perhaps we could take the same songs we were just working on and just really quickly, it doesn't have to be as long, just talk about ways I would end it. So if I was playing on the sunny side of the street, we're on the head out. Mm-hmm. Street. 
the tag is going to have something to do with the hook of their lyrics. Mm-hmm. That might be a two bar re- uh, a two bar vamp. It might be a four bar vamp, right? Mm-hmm. Now, something that's really common that's worth mentioning that uh, I wasn't hip to right away was that you might be repeating a song like that and it's sounding like but the last time they want to extend that two five by two more measures and so then all of a sudden it becomes on the sunny side of the street and then you're thinking of where your ending is from there So it's that last two five. A lot of times they want to extend it to two extra measures, and you kind of have to be ready for that, because you know vocalists they may not give you much of a cue. You may just be kind of going off of the way that they're singing it, and you have to be ready for that. And you're following them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the whole idea. Yeah. John, you want to try that with "I Fall in Love Too Easily" or any thoughts on that? Yeah. Well, my question actually is, how do you communicate that to a singer too? Because you know, do you? I mean, sometimes, I mean, we do these things, you know, we have all these signals, signals, which we can't really do while we're playing. I mean, if I'm sitting next to the singer like this, you know, at the gig and no, and it's a background gig, I'll just out loud, just say tag it, you know, two more times. And yeah, I mean, it's kind of fun and it's a fun challenge to kind of vary that because it's so easy to tag it. It's so easy to repeat, especially when it's songbook tunes because you just repeat the last phrase again, again, okay, tag out. And that can wear a little thin after a while. Yes. Um, but like with ballads, of course, it can be really, you know, you know, I fall in love too easily. Then I can just give a nod. I fall in love too fast. And like do yes. something. Yes. I'm really remember, glad you brought that up. Yeah. And Perry, remember at USC when John Clayton gave the Rhythm Section Masterclass how much he taught us how to cue properly and give that ictus <laughs> with our with our nose with you know make chin. sure that there's yeah. a bounce don't just like pull your head down it's funny little little details like that are the difference with this and man i tell you i'm so lucky i've gotten to study with so many great people that are legendary accompanists man i mean yeah, yeah. so many guys i can name so many cats that we studied with when we were younger i mean frank Batenza, joe diorio all the you know all shelby, these guys shelby Berg. great accompanists Yes, Shelly. I mean, I mean, the reality is, man, especially as a jazz musician, especially as a jazz guitarist, like if you want to work, you know, like learn how to play some rhythm guitar, learn how to accompany um, well, whether that's a vocalist or horn player or whatever, but just learn how to be a supportive uh, musician. And what John did is a good example on a ballad that um, I'd say 90% of singers I've worked with would probably really enjoy, which is. When you're getting down to the end of a ballad, just slip into rubato, you know, mm-hmm. and let mm-hmm. the time kind of be free. Let them follow the time and you follow them. Uh, one thing that's important to understand about rubato that I've, I've learned from some singers is rubato doesn't always mean slow. Mm-hmm. Rubato also just means out of time. Like if you listen to the way Ella Fitzgerald and so many great vocalists would do like a verse of a tune rubato, you know, mm-hmm. it's moving quickly. You know what I mean? Like it's there's got there's a pace to it. It's out of time, but it's not slow, and that's that's an important distinction. I think a great example of that is someone to watch over me. The yeah. way that verse moves, yeah. You know, the melody totally dictates the the pulse of it. 
And if you were to just play the chords, like if you were to take the melody out and just play the chords the same way, it wouldn't really sound, wouldn't mm -hmm. really make sense. The melody totally dictates that pulse. Mm -hmm. Well, and the lyrics, you know, we want to, yeah. this is a whole nother level and a lot of us don't often get there. I mean, I gig as a singer a little bit, so I'm aware of this and I work with, like you guys, I work with so many phenomenal singers, but songs that have a lot of words to them, you know, um, like, you know, whatever, verses, you want to just be careful that, yeah, if we're playing rubato and pushing it and having it have a nice pace, mm -hmm. that they're not, you know, that the, the verbiage isn't isn't too much. And that's when it starts getting into, like, the actually sitting down and arranging something with vocalists and doing that. Casually gigging is just oftentimes about, like, being in the moment. Let's just try it this way. Let's see what happens. And sometimes stuff like that's not as clean as it, as it can be. Like, we're having this kind of game about playing, like, a casual gig. You know, mm -hmm. but As more finer stuff involves that. And lastly, too, I will say to add about endings, always good before you start the tune to just say, hey, how do you want to end it? You know, do you yeah. just just asking them that because they might be, oh, you know, I, I really like this version of this, you know, and sometimes <clears throat> we know that or sometimes we don't or I'll just say, oh, OK, well, I'll just follow you, you know, mm -hmm. or or you can even say like, well, yeah, just follow me. I'll just cue the ending for us. But mm -hmm. making those kinds of signals and and directions is like punching your directions into Google Maps, and you're gonna get there. You know, you're gonna get there in, a, in the best way. You know. Yeah. Can I? Can well, I how about add I on to that it? real quick? Will. Oh yeah, yeah man. Go ahead. Totally. Just there's a lot of um, sort of agreed upon common endings that are really important that aren't always obvious to learn about. Right. We talked about going down from the sharp four. Or going from the one up from the three chromatically. Right? Mm -hmm. And then just sort of that, that rhythmic type of ending that you can lock up with on a rhythm section if you're playing from the two. You know, those kind of like really simple common endings, even just... The ending. So that's those are four really common endings right there that I feel like any guitar player would be well served to to know when they're accompanying a singer to get out of a tune. Absolutely, yeah, right. yeah kind of unavoidable. That, I call that spontaneous arranging. You know, it's yeah. like it's kind of improvising, but it's also like literally if somebody transcribed that, it would look nice on a on an arrangement. And there's a great clip of Barney Kessel giving a clinic in the '70s or '80s. It's like a camcorder yeah. and somebody asked him like man how do you come up with so many great endings especially when accompanying vocalists and not step in their way and he's just like oh man big bands like listen to big band yeah. recordings all the beginnings and endings as he described it you know i did were all from the big band era and yeah. i'm just trying to sound like a big band yeah know? yeah totally so yeah speaking of some guitar masters how about i play a little joe pass and ella fitzgerald mm. this is a Wonderful. Won't stop you from doing that. Yeah. <laughs> so this is Joe and Ella playing That Old Feeling. Oh, yeah. I saw you last night and got that old feeling. When you came in sight, I got that old feeling. The moment that you danced by, 
I mean, what a what a perfect representation of how to accompany a vocalist right there. Yeah. The time, the bass line, the voicings, the groove. It was all there. It was just all there. And the key That's change. Joe. Right? Yeah, and they and they modulated, right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> all fingers on that, right? No pick. I don't think he was using a pick. I agree, I think. And was he using a was he using his box or a nylon string? No, that's his that's his box. Those Is are, that his those box? are um flat ones though, man. Right, yeah. Well, so yeah, and you, you watch. Oh, sorry to interrupt, but I was saying there's that great footage of them in Hamburg in like mm, the maybe the mid '70s, late '70s, mm-hmm. and he goes between fingers and he plays the pick too. Yeah, wow. Um, like she kind of lets him solo, and he just goes, 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 and then he goes back to hands. And man, it's it's oh yeah, it's so good. Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of like so. This brings up a mark. good point. Some sometimes, you know, some musicians have very polarizing views on this. Do I accompany with a walking bass line or do I not or do I just see what happens? I think it's regardless of whether you like to or not, it's a really useful skill to be able to do, mm-hmm. yeah, right? Totally. So maybe if we take, I think he did that in E flat, like just thinking in two first, like if the bass was playing in two, and perhaps changing voices. I go to four. using that accompanying vocalist sometimes i think it's a useful tool i might not accompany uh like that in many other circumstances but i think that's a really useful skill what do you guys think about walking bass yeah absolutely i i think it's uh pretty crucial actually especially if you're playing duo with with a vocalist you want to be able to have Mm -hmm. that um i don't know that ability i guess it's just like a different way of um approaching playing solo guitar essentially right because you can yeah. you can walk bass you can do it in two you can do it in four you can play rhythm um you can play mm-hmm. with your fingers you can play with the pick and then also you can break it down to where you're just playing single notes like i think that's a good yeah. thing to recognize too is that um for contrast sake you don't always have to be playing as much as possible on the guitar when you're accompanying a vocalist you can break it down just play mm-hmm. the bass note itself maybe just play higher voicings you know um so i think all these things are within the spectrum that you should utilize when you're playing with a vocalist 
Definitely. Yeah, you know, um, we're talking about this. For everyone listening, we've mentioned today this fictional gig, Casa Del Mar. Well, it actually is a real gig in L.A. It's just one of your many casual gigs that you might find yourself playing duo with a singer. And one of the last times I did it, I played baritone guitar the whole night. Oh, and nice. what was fun about that was, yes, it made me play bass lines the whole night. I used a tremolo pedal, so I kind of got this organ kind of sound with the top strings. And I basically walked bass and played chords all night long and transposed everything up a fourth, you know, so it bass, it, which was great. It was a really good test for me. But the baritone guitar man sounds like a real bass, for one. Yeah. I think people who comment on not walking bass lines on guitar are sometimes talking more of like modern jazz guitar yeah. sense and ensemble playing maybe or playing with other guitar players. I mean, we've experimented a lot in New West with it and... I think the guitar has a beautiful bass range, and I think you just ha have to know how to use it. Um, muting it can really help it be more percussive and help with the time feel a little bit more. And also, dropping the E to low D gives hmm. even more of a bass sound and can kind of give that seven-string guitar sound, which a lot of the you know lineage of Bucky and George Van Epps and those guys had that kind of tone when playing with, with vocalists, too. And yeah, I mean, I love that sound of a guitar player walking bass and playing chords. You know, I, Will, you and I remember studying with Ron Eshte. I mean, man, that sound is so great with the yeah. vocals. You know? Yeah, it yeah. provides a real floor. Um, I do want to spend two more quick examples that I think are really useful before we wrap things up. Yeah. Um, this, this recording has always just been really dear to me. I, when I was young, I would hear it, and it just kind of made me... I hadn't really heard guitar in this setting. It's Nancy Wilson singing Guess Who I Saw Today, mm -hmm. and the guitarist on that is Jack Marshall, oh, who yeah. I didn't really know much about, but yeah. I think he, he also did some jingle TV work. Like yeah. It wasn't really yeah. a name I really knew, yeah. but I've known this intro forever. And I think Perry and I got the Jack Marshall scholarship <clears throat> at USC in the studio guitar department, because yeah. Jack's, um, Jack's nephew is Christopher Parkening, the famous oh, classical okay. guitarist, yeah. and he's also, you know, he Jack Marshall wrote so many great TV scores, but he was one of the first studio guitar players. There's a lot of videos, yeah. I mean, photos of him and Tommy Tedesco and yeah, all a, those guys, he's he's part big, of the Wrecking Crew. Big supporter, you know? um, financially, of a lot of the students that went to SC, so that's yep. cool. Yep. So this is really cool because the melody, kind of like you guys are saying, is very rubato, and he has to really follow where the melody's going. It's, it's a little bit out of time. So here's Guess Who I Saw Today. You're so late getting home from the office. Did you miss your train? Were you caught in the rain? No, don't bother to explain. Can I fix you a quick martini? As a matter of fact, I'll have one with you. For to tell you the truth, I've had quite Such a great intro, and he follows her really beautifully. And there's a modulation. Yeah, you know, that's a good example, right? Rubato's not always slow. <clears throat> yeah, and yeah. you know, he's also playing the chord that she needs to hear 
well before her phrase comes in. That's another really important thing to realize. And yeah, that's great. What do you think? One more, one more quick example. Sure. Little, uh, little bossa nova samba. Basically, just focusing kind of the opposite of that. Really, just focusing on the pocket in a duo setting. I also have a um, new west example of some guitars with vocals that we can hit after this real quick if you want. For, yeah, for yeah, definitely. Um, so Luciana Salza has been one of my, you know, one of my favorite singers. I love hearing all the guitars she works with. It's really intimidating listening to all the, all the like seven string players she plays with. So the guitarist on this track is, uh, Marco Pereira. And this is off of her, uh, third duos album. This is Yuvim da Bahia. Eu vim, eu vim da Bahia cantar Eu vim da Bahia contar Tanta coisa bonita que tem Na Bahia que é o meu lugar Tem meu chão, tem meu céu, tem meu mar A Bahia que vive pra dizer Como é que faz pra viver Onde a gente não tem pra comer Mas de fome não morre Porque na Bahia Senhor do bom fim Que ajuda o baiano a viver Pra sambar, pra cantar, pra valer Pra morrer de alegria Na festa de rua, no samba de roda Na noite de lua, no canto do mar Eu vim da Bahia Mas eu volto pra lá Eu vim da Bahia Algum dia eu volto pra lá The pocket is deep. The oh, pocket yeah. is deep there. <laughs> oh yeah, man! What a that's a just a perfect combination right there. You know. I know. I know. That's good. Could listen to that all day. Um, I have an example. Uh, if we have mm-hmm. time for it, will of something from the three of us working with a vocalist, and it kind of references how you might arrange for three guitars with uh, a great vocalist. Should we check it out? We shall. Okay. So this is uh, with the wonderful Tierney Sutton, who uh, you guys all know. Um, We've worked with her, obviously. She's an incredible vocalist in the Los Angeles area. And we had the pleasure of working with her on the album we did shortly before Will joined the group called Send One Your Love, which was a collaboration with Tierney Sutton, Gretchen Parlato, Becca Stevens, Peter Eldridge, and Sarah Gazarek who toured the album with us for a couple of years. And it was, I mean, John, you'd probably agree, it was a wonderful experience for us, right? Oh, yeah, especially working from the ground up with them on arrangements and everything, getting into the finer details of it. This was an arrangement that I kind of brought into the group and revamped, and um, again, it was something I developed years ago with Kathleen Grace. Um, So it kind of features me on the acoustic guitar, and then I had both of you guys playing some supportive lines on uh, electric but let's uh let's check this out here we go the decks are trimmed with gold and of jam and spice there's a paradise in the hole Glow with a million pearls and rubies. 
Sutton, not too shabby. Sutton wow. featuring Perry's beard. <laughs> My beard was a little longer then. <laughs> that not... that was the longest travel day we had had in oh, so yeah. long. We drove Fresh from, from Seattle, from Ashland down to L.A. that day, and we hustled. <clears throat> I remember. Well, we left for it. Chaloff's old studio. Yeah, we left Seattle the morning before. Yes, we got all the way to Southern Oregon that night. <laughs> I, my favorite line is John goes. We get on the five. I'm like, should I pull up maps? You're like, well, just drive. Just drive. Just go south on the five, dude. Come on. I remember that. We had had breakfast. We had had breakfast there, and I chipped my tooth at that restaurant. We had oh. salad at that place in Ashland, and I chipped my tooth. That was a rough southbound I-5 trip. But that video turned out great. It did. It was all worth it. It, it was oh, all... Man. Little would we know, seven years later, we would be here doing this on this yeah. podcast. But to share it with all of you listeners, it's great. Well, mm-hmm. yeah, it was worth it. I mean, we, we also did a wonderful show at Yoshi's with Tyranny. We got to mm-hmm. explore that arrangement and a whole host of others. So we have a channel on our YouTube page for the listeners to check out, uh, which is of... Um, I think it's the channel's called Send When Your Love. It's a little playlist, actually, on our channel, New West Guitar Group. And you can hear us playing with Tierney, um, Sarah Gazarek, uh, clips with Peter Eldridge and Gretchen Parlato and Becca Stevens. So, um, yeah, some really good examples of how we've included voice with our group. And also the wonderful Leah Zager, who we've recently been collaborating with, who's a double threat, voice right. and violin. So look out. That's right. Well, everybody, hope you've enjoyed this episode. We hope uh, you'll come back next week. We're going to be talking about chord melody playing. Ooh. And uh, let us know what you thought. Let us know your best uh, best stories with a vocalist. And um, get involved. Get involved. Check out Patreon. Is there any new merch up in the Teespring store, John? We had we actually had some people buy a couple little things. Thank you guys um, for for sure. Check out we got those coffee mugs are great. Um, we just put up a brand new video on Patreon today uh, of one of uh, Perry's tunes. We've been doing some remote recording over the course of the pandemic. We got a bunch of new videos, and we're going to be releasing those in the coming weeks. So join us over at the Patreon to uh, get to check all all of that stuff out. Most definitely. I'm excited for next week, Chord Melody. That's a good segue from uh, guitars and vocals. That's going to be fun. So get, right. get your stuff ready, everybody. And we'll see you, see you on the flip. Bye.